Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate, or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT Thomas from KT's Money Matters. Coming to you each week to talk about, oh, I think about like drive time tips, things to think about financially that might help you, things that you should be maybe considering as you're getting ready to make whatever that next investment is or that next jump professionally, and just in general, how to make the most out of what you make and how to make it work for you the best that you possibly can. So, you know, I am one of those people with the, oh, I don't know, the curious mind is probably the best way to say it. I'm the one that wants to know pretty much everything about how something works, how you take it apart, how you put it back together again, why things happen the way they happen. And I'm always the girl trying to figure out what it is that I think is coming next. So based on that, I thought I would do a little show today on black swan events. So black swan events, what are they? Think about them as these great big things that happen that few see coming and those who see coming really don't do anything about it. And that dramatically affects the way everything is done going forward. So probably the most memorable black swan event right now is the global financial crisis, which just passed its 10 year anniversary last month. And so for those of you who don't remember how bad everything got suddenly, here's what I'll say to you. If you paid attention, and most of us didn't, to what was happening with real estate prices and how people were getting free checks in the mail to refinance their debt and how everybody was getting mortgages without any documentation at all and getting these incredible interest rates, that it all seemed just frothy, right? Things were good and getting better all the time. And then all of a sudden, for those not paying attention, the whole thing fell apart. So in August of 2008, Lehman Brothers, a very, very large financial services firm, filed for bankruptcy, the biggest bankruptcy ever, by the way, $46 million. So 25,000 employees lost their job that week, and eventually this cost investors about $10 trillion of wealth that just disappeared. And people were like, how did this happen? Well, and in hindsight, people said, well, maybe people got mortgages that shouldn't have gotten mortgages, and maybe banks were lying about the quality of the bonds that they were selling in mortgage-backed securities that, guess what? We consumers were buying. We might not have even known we had anything to do with this big correction that was happening. But about 20 years before, there started to be a really strong 
plan where mortgages were sold on the secondary market. I don't know, for those of us who are older than 40, we all remember when our mortgage was serviced and owned by the very bank that gave us our mortgage way, way, way long ago. And then about 20 years ago, many banks started selling them on the secondary market. And one of the things consumers used to look for is a mortgage that would, a bank that would keep the mortgage forever because mortgage changing was a real hassle. Well, over the last 20 years, what's happened is mortgage changing is really easy and banks sell your mortgages all the time to other lenders. And all of a sudden, no one really knows where are all those mortgages anyway? So ABC Bank, the bank that used to hold my mortgage for 30 years, now gets paid to originate my mortgage and sell it to somebody else. Except that I didn't actually realize, and most, most people didn't realize, that what they were doing is they were selling it back to us. So bonds in your mutual funds, often own mortgage-backed securities, and you were actually owning those mortgages. Now, when banks don't have to worry about collecting the bill, you know, over time, what happened is it just got a lot easier. And all of a sudden, you know, you didn't need 20% down. You didn't need 10% down. Sometimes you didn't even need 2% down. Sometimes you could get money back at the close. And sometimes you didn't have to provide your financial statements. And it was all, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. People were just turning around mortgages. And then that, of course, leads to housing speculation. You have people buying 10 condos thinking that they're just going to flip them all when the construction is completed and make money. And you have people buying houses that they think they're going to flip and make money and they're not putting any money down. They're just paying interest only payments. And then all of a sudden, real estate prices for the first time in a decade start to go down. And all of these people get caught owing money that they can't cover. And what do they do? Well, they walk away because inevitably, if you own something, it's worth less than what you paid for, you have two options, stay and pay or write it off and go. Now, if you're living in that house with your kids and you've been there for a long time and you see your kids going to that school for the next 10 years, you probably stayed and paid. But investors, they don't think like that. They think, I got to cut my losses and get out of here. So what do they do? They default, they file bankruptcy, and they do a write over. And the next thing you know, they're back in business later on. But who got left behind? Well, first of all, America got left behind because then the Federal Reserve needed to create liquidity and the Congress needed to create liquidity to save the banks. And we all remember how that went. Now, there are some smart people who will say they saw it coming. And I'll tell you what, you could see a lot of this coming, but you could never see it that it was going to be as big as it was, as broad, it, broad as it was, and as long as it took. And that is the perfect definition of what a black swan looks like. But that isn't even the one that we've had. You know, when I look at like the last 15 or 20 years, we've had five black swans. That's just the most recent and it's big and it's broad. So it's really on everybody's memory. But, you know, going back to 1997, I can remember this. I was, I had been in business for a few years and I didn't own a lot of emerging market debt because it really wasn't an investment category that you could buy in America, but you could buy it today. All of a sudden, and not all of a sudden, really this started happening months before it came to fruition, but currency values of Asian countries started to drop like a stone. 
In fact, when it was all said and done, currency values dropped 38% and emerging market stocks dropped 60%. Now, there were a lot of reasons why that happened, that the US dollar got decoupled from foreign investments and you could go back and look at the history of why it happened. But what I'll say to you is people weren't paying attention and when it happened, it caught people by a dramatic downfall. Losing 60% of your money is never a good day for any investor. And we thought that could never happen here. But then we had our own little dot-com bust. And I don't know how many of you guys remember investing in the 90s. I got to admit, it was great to be an investor in the 90s. You could pretty much put money in dirt and make money. Really fun. And there were all these companies and all they had to do was call themselves dot-com. And then all of a sudden, they were valuable and investors would buy them. In fact, there were companies out there that actually had no business. They just were raising money for the ability to maybe buy other businesses that were in the dot-com business. And those stocks were hotter than hot. So not only were investors starting to throw money into companies that they didn't understand, but they were starting to throw monies into companies that didn't actually do anything. So the barrier of becoming a publicly traded company became really quick and investors were just pouring money into these companies. And so there are some, some of my personal favorites, like pets.com, which everybody said is going to be, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. They had this cute little puppet. And uh, you know the puppet took a dive and the company went bankrupt. There were many companies that went bankrupt during that period and never came back. In fact, the NASDAQ, which owned most of these small tech companies, lost 78% of its value. That's So I don't know about you, but I don't know an investor that's really okay losing 78% of their value, but 78% of the value. And we go, well, listen, that was just a lot of speculation. These companies were able to get, again, cheap money, to borrow money, to open these companies. Investors were pouring money into these companies because they were going up like crazy and everybody wanted in. So there's like that little element of speculation and greed. And then all of a sudden the whole thing just falls apart like a house of cards and people say, how did that happen? But it's not always about that. So we're recovering from the, from the dot-com bust and in, and in, um, and then which, by the way, drives a big recession, which raises, un which raises unemployment because people lose their jobs, companies go out of business. And then all of a sudden things are starting to turn around and come the right way. And then right after that happens 9-11. Now, the thing about 9-11 is these are things you can't see coming at all, right? How planes fly into buildings and the world changes in a day was something that nobody saw coming. The stock market lost $1.4 trillion that very first week. Now, that might sound like, oh, my God, that's a crazy number. More importantly, what it changed was what every corporation in America now spends on safety, what every country in the world now spends on terrorism, and how that's affected the GDP of nations all over the world, including the United States. Because we've had to spend that money now. We can't live in... Um, you know, in, in ignorance is bliss. We don't have to worry about that because it's not happening here. We're really far away. But now they have to spend all this money. And when they're spending all this money on terrorism protection and 
I think cybersecurity and all those other places where corporations and governments need to spend money, that's money that ultimately has to be paid for. If it's the government, it has to be paid for in the form of taxes or spending cuts somewhere else. And if it's corporations, it has to be paid for out of profits, which means lower profits to investors. We've even had one black swan since the global financial crisis. And I don't mean with Greece burning on TV every day, although I did think that was pretty amazing in 2010. But in 2016, Britain decides to vote themselves out of the European Union in a vote we now fondly call Brexit, which by the way, everybody said was never gonna happen. In fact, that night, I remember going home thinking, it's not gonna, it, they said, oh, the polls, the exit polls, blah, 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 never gonna happen. And then what happens the next morning, they say, oops, they actually voted to leave. And the pound, which is the currency of Britain, fell to a 31-year low against the dollar. And some $2 trillion in market cap was wiped out right away for people that lived in Britain. So there are some points to remember here. There are people that will worry about what's next. And they'll be looking for these black swan events where they think they exist. But the reality is almost no one will see it. And those that do see it are likely to discount its importance until later. So you might have thought that real estate prices were getting kind of crazy in 2005 and that you were getting all these checks in the mail to get free money and transfer your balances for zero and you thought this is all insane. But you never really realized what it could be on the other side. So you could see like hints of craziness, but you couldn't see the effect of it until later. And it was only when you knew what the effect was that you could look back and see why it started to happen. And that's because the future is anyone's guess. But you know, I like to guess a little. So I have a few hot items that I think about that I worry about now that I look at and I say, could these be potential risks in the future that people are underestimating today? So my first one, I have you know just a couple, but my first one is that the cheap debt that we use to help recover after the last shock in the economy could actually lead to the next one. So corporate America sells bonds and investors buy bonds for income. Before the financial crisis, corporate America had 2.4, 2.5 trillion in bonds, but they now have 6.3 trillion in bonds. So now that they've more than doubled the amount of bonds, I was kind of wondering what, what have they done with the money? Because that seems like a lot of money to, to increase on your debt. Imagine if you doubled your debt in 10 years, um, that what they spent that money on. You know, because if they spent it on things like expanding and infrastructure and, and establishing new lines of businesses or maybe buying other businesses, that that might be a really great way to use that money to earn more money later on. But that's actually not what happened. By and large, the, um, the bond sales were used to buy their own stocks back in the market. Why do that? Well, buying stock back in the market instantly raises the value of the stocks that are in the market and allows executives to get paid more because their stocks are rising. And it makes investors want to buy more because they know that stock values are going up and stock values certainly have been going up. I wonder what happens when interest rates rise, which we're starting to see now. And what we know is as interest rates rise, it boosts the cost of the debt service the next time around. So if you own 
twice as much debt as you used to own and interest rates are rising and a lot of corporate debt is actually variable and not fixed, then what, then what you need to know is that the cost of borrowing that money just got twice as expensive as it used to be. So then what happens the next time earnings slow down? See, the economy is a cycle and it will ultimately happen. Nobody just seems to know when it actually happens. But I wonder what happens when the economy slows down and corporations aren't making as much money as they were making before and they have twice as much debt to service. Black Swan event? I don't know. But it's interesting, very interesting, because it's, again, about that loose free money, and it's a little bit about greed, which, you know, most black swans have an essence of greed. Second one is tariffs. And, you know, I don't really care how you think about tariffs. What I'll say to you is that I actually believe that no one, and I really mean no one, pros or pundits, really understand how tariffs will impact corporate earnings around the world or consumer prices in the United States. And I don't know either. But I know if it's something very different and very, very big, that it could have very big surprises in how it's actually unfolded. So it's something that I keep my eye on. You may have your idea of what you think the next black swan is, and I'd be interested to hear what you think. So if you want to send me a quick, a quick note on our website or a little bit of note after the podcast. Tell me what you think your next big black swan event is. I'd be interested in hearing any and all conspiracy theories. Otherwise, you know I'll keep you posted on mine. So until that next event, here's what I'd say. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.